reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 4 and verses 1 to 11. So that's uh, page 967. So that's Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. It's the temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell those stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in those hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father God, we do give thanks to you for your word. And we ask now that you would fill us here with your spirit. May we hear your word. May you stir our hearts. And may we respond to the call that you place upon our lives. In the name of Jesus, your son, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, It is so lush as always, on such a lush day as well, to come and be with my church family and with my brother Andrew over there. And one thing the film has said, um, just at the beginning of the services, we have changed everything behind here at the moment. Our curtains, our altar are all purple. And that is because we have, as he said, entered into the season of Lent. It began on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, and we had a special service in Holy Trinity Church for that, and it will continue up until Easter Sunday when Lent finishes, and we remember Jesus' triumph over death at the resurrection. And just for a bit of geeky information, for those who may not know or not be from an Anglican background or a Catholic background or a Lutheran background or another background where we use colours in church, there are in fact four colours that we use. And we don't just use them when we fancy a bit of a change. They come out for different times and different seasons and, if you will, for different purposes as well. A few weeks ago, it was, believe it or not, the season of Christmas when we had white on show. And white is a sign of purity, a sign of the purity of Jesus, Jesus that was born into the world. And when Easter comes, that white will come out again. On the day of Pentecost, we use the color red, a symbol of fire. It all goes together. But we also use it on days when we remember blood being shed, like Good Friday when it would be red. 
Last week, we were in the time of what we call ordinary time, when green came out, green, a sign of creation, and we remember the goodness of God. But now it is Lent, and also in the time of Advent, we use this color purple. And back in the days of Jesus, the color purple was significant. And it was significant because it was a symbol of wealth. It was a symbol of power. It was a symbol of authority. If you had a bit of money in the old pocket, the chances are you would strut about in purple. If you were a king, you would wear purple. Purple was the most expensive fabric to have. And it was a sign that you were going somewhere. But for those who know the story of the passion, Jesus and the events up to the crucifixion will also know that the soldiers put a purple robe on Jesus to mock him. And that purple then became a sign, if you will, of sacrifice, a sign of giving that Jesus did for us, and a sign, if you will, of humiliation. And as we remember Jesus and that sacrifice that he went through, so we also join him in that journey in being humbled ourselves, in turning towards him, acknowledging that we aren't great and the wealth that we have as well, we lay down at the altar of God. Lent is a time for reflection. Lent is a time for saying sorry, for penitence. Lent is a time for fasting, giving up those things that we find comfortable. And Lent is a time for giving as well. We give up arms, the money normally that we would save through fasting for the good and doing good for others. Lent isn't something that was made up by the church. Seasons like this, the Jews went through, Jesus himself went through. And in the reading that we hear today, we saw Jesus go through that time. Jesus entered into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And throughout the world today, in churches throughout the four corners of the world, this reading today is being read. And that's quite a mind-blowing thing as well to know that throughout the world, Christians at the beginning of Lent are hearing or rehearing this story of Jesus going into the wilderness as we, as God's church, prepare for that same journey ourselves. Now this story in the story of Jesus sits very early on in the gospel accounts. It comes just after Jesus was baptised and it happened before he made himself really publicly known through the preaching, the doing miracles, the healing of the sick and casting out demons. And there is something very powerful in that himself. Before Jesus did anything powerful, he spent this time in fasting and in prayer. Before he proclaimed the kingdom of God, he made sure to spend time with his father. A lesson to us that we can do nothing without prayer. A lesson to us that we can do nothing unless we spend time with the father in heaven. 
The fact that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights is also incredibly significant in the story of the scripture. 40 days, 40 nights, it is thought as the longest a person could last without food. Fasting, and in the scriptures, only two people had done it before, Moses and Elijah, the prophet and the one who gave the law. And straight off, early doors in the Gospels, the Gospel readers want us to know that Jesus is succeeding those people. That Jesus, by fasting 40 days and 40 nights, truly is the Messiah. He is the one who was promised in the Old Testament. He is the one to come. He is the one who will be the saviour of the world. We are told in this passage that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he went. And this is really interesting. And I'll tell you for why, certainly from my point of view. All of us have a tendency to go through bad times. And when I was growing up in my very Christian household, I would frequently hear other Christians talk about being in a wilderness type place or being in a dry place or a time when they would be struggling with God. They might come to church and not feel anything or they might be struggling to pray or something just wasn't going right. And they would say that I am in the wilderness. Well, strictly speaking, that's not actually true or accurate. It can feel like you're in a wilderness place for sure. But Jesus didn't have this thrust upon him. Jesus went into the desert to be tested because he chose to go into the desert and be tested. The Spirit told him to go and he responded by going. And the lesson for that, for us is, these things are a choice. Fasting, prayer, Spending time with the Father, spiritual growth, is for us a choice. We choose to enter into it, and it is up to us if we choose to follow it. Lent might mean nothing to us. All the stuff I've said about purple straight off, you might go, that's lovely, but can't go on, let's do the next thing. It can be a season that just comes and goes, and we celebrate Easter Or for us, it can be a choice that we take to spend this time to come to draw closer to God, to take the opportunity over these next 40 days to come and be closer to God. We ourselves have this choice to enter into that wilderness place, to say, I know I'm not perfect, to say, I know I could be a better disciple to say, I know I do wrong, and to ask the Lord to help us to get better. Lent, I guess in some ways, should feel for us as Christians a little bit like a car that you take apart to put back together again to make it more powerful. The car goes, we're doing all right, the church is running, everything's going okay, but we could be better We could be stronger. We could do more. We could grow more in the Lord. And we can have the blessing 
of knowing that we are walking closer with God come Easter time. We can look at ourselves through the power of the Spirit, examine our habits, our attitudes, and seek to get rid of those things that we know aren't right in us, all with the strength of the Lord. But to get there, it is a choice, a choice for us to take. And if we don't want to do it, that's fine as well. But if we do choose to enter into this season, if we do choose to enter into this wilderness-type place, if we too choose to go there, we also must know that it's not easy. It wasn't easy for Jesus. And it wasn't easy because he really was tempted or tested by the devil. And in all of that, there are so many things that we can learn. To start off with, the devil is a reality. The devil is there. The devil is there to hurt us, to tempt us, to test us, to get to us. But the devil doesn't play nice. Sometimes you can read this and think that Jesus went into the wilderness and was tested by the devil straight away. But he wasn't. The testing didn't begin until after 40 days and 40 nights. When Jesus at his weakest, when he was at his most vulnerable, that's when the devil struck. And that's the same for us as well. Often we face the most testing, the most temptation that we have when we're at our most vulnerable, when we're knackered, when we're stressed, when we're exhausted by life, at the end of the day, when the kids test us, you name it, when we've had a bad day, when it's raining, whatever gets us down, when we're at our most vulnerable, that's when often we are tempted the most. We learn that the devil seems to have some authority on earth. He manages to take Jesus from place to place and even says, you can have this kind of land. There is authority in what power that he has here on earth. And the devil even knows the scriptures as well. In this whole passage, the devil quotes the scriptures of Jesus, though he appears and in fact, he does manipulate those scriptures for his own good. We see how the devil really works. And so much of what the devil does isn't work so much in out-and-out -out lies, but in half-truths. Taking a passage of scripture and bending it. Taking the vulnerabilities and turning it. Taking a whisper of something and corrupting it, taking the half-truths of where we are at to try and suit his own needs, to make us not be close to God and to separate us from the love of God. When we look at the three mini-battles inside of this story and the places where Jesus was tested and tempted, we see that Jesus was tested by food. In one sense, there's nothing wrong with that. A few weeks later, Jesus would be eating a lot of food and be called a glutton, in fact, for eating with people. He was tempted with adulation from people. And again, in a few weeks' time, everyone would know who Jesus was because of the miracles he was doing. 
and he was tested with power. Again, in just a few weeks' time, Jesus would prove that he would have the authority over all. But it wasn't for the time. And the devil was testing him on those things then and dealing those half truths and lies in order to trip him up. And for us today, there's something to learn about those three areas that Jesus was tempted in. He was tempted in the physical. He was tempted in human response. And he was tested in power. And these three areas tend to be the three areas where people trip up the most. The physical needs that we think we have, the emotional needs that we sometimes seek to crave, and the want for power that we can all have as well. Three things, while on their own, aren't necessarily bad. When done to the wrong heart and the wrong attitude can bring about a lot of damage. Three areas where all of us as human beings are tempted and tested. Three areas where we are called to resist the devil. And we may wonder why on earth it is that the devil wanted to do this in the first place. Why did Jesus enter in? Why did this battle happen? And why was it even so important Jesus could have prayed, come out, and done all these miracles and not had this. But the devil had an agenda. The devil wanted Jesus to sin. Because if Jesus sinned, he wouldn't be the sinless Messiah. The movement would have stopped. Jesus would no longer be the Son of God in that way. He couldn't take away the sins of the world. And these three temptations, these three testings were a foreshadowing of what was to come three years later when for three days the devil thought that he had won before Jesus came out and won the final victory. And this is where the good news is in this story. Jesus was victorious. Jesus withstood the temptations of Jesus of the devil. Jesus withstood all the problems that were there. Jesus withstood the tempting, the leaning, and whatever vulnerabilities he was carrying in his human self, he withstood it all. Jesus won the victory. And later on, Jesus would go on to win the victory. And the very fact that we are here today, sat here, worshiping his name, singing his praises because he has won the victory. And he continues to win the victory today. If today you came here and when Andrew prayed the prayer of confession, you meant it in your heart, you are forgiven. There is no record of that wrong in heaven of what you have done. If you came here today, looking for help because you were not perfect. The Lord is on your side and he will give you that victory. If today you are fearing death, the Lord says, I give you life eternal because he has won the victory. Jesus has won it all. He won on that day. He won on the day of crucifixion 
and he will win when he returns again. All sin, all death, all evil, beaten forever because of what Jesus did and what Jesus does for us. Jesus beat the devil. And this is the Jesus who's on your side. This is the Jesus who is with us as we go into this day. This is the Jesus who is with us as we go into this week. This is the Jesus who is with us when we go to the doctors. This is the Jesus who is with us when we're struggling in that meeting in work. This is the Jesus who is with us when we are exhausted and tired and just feel drained of life. This is the Jesus who is with us now. This is the Jesus who is sat with us now. And this is the Jesus who says to us, come to me if you are weak and I will give you rest. This is the Jesus who says, bring to me your problems and I will give you healing. This is the Jesus who loves us more than words will know. This is the Jesus who died and rose again for the sins that we have committed. This is the Jesus who is worth worshipping and praising. And this is the Jesus who it is good to walk closely to. This is the Jesus who we choose to walk closely to. The Jesus who we know it is good to be as close to as we possibly can. And that is why the season of Lent, if we choose to go through it, isn't so much a sacrifice, isn't so much a pain, isn't so much a time of misery. It is a gift. We offered the gift to draw closer to the Lord. We are offered the gift to walk more and more in his ways. We are offered the gift to be cast more in his image. We are offered the gift to truly be his disciples. We are offered the gift to see the incredible, amazing, wonderful things that he does. And in that, there is no turning back. It is a gift, but it is a challenge to do as well. I confess, probably for me, the only time I've gone through a real season like this was probably 16 years ago when I was at home recovering from an operation for about three or four months. And if you've been through that kind of surgery, you know the kind of score of you get out of hospital, you're exhausted, you have your dressing going on, you have a few naps in a day, and over time you get better and better, and then you get bored as you're waiting to kind of get back to normal life. Well, I had a month or so of waiting before I could get back to work. And before I had this operation, all I wanted to do was get back to work. Work was part of my identity. Work was what I did. I wanted to get back to doing what I did, what I know to do with my friends and how I did it well. Well, I was getting better. And I just felt the Lord say to me, give something up. I chose, because I was recovering from an operation, not to give up food, because that would have been stupid. So instead, I fasted something that I like more than food, and that is television. I love watching telly. Seriously. If you could tell me my ideal day to spend my day off, it won't be going to a theme park or a zoo. It would be sitting on a sofa with a remote control with somebody bringing me full-fat Coke pizzas and chocolate. Yeah. 
That would be my perfect ideal day off. But I felt the Lord say to me, right, this is what I want to do. During the day, don't put the telly on for go cash in the Arctic and bargain hunt and spend that time in prayer. And for these weeks, I spent time in prayer. I spent time reading the scriptures. I spent time walking and praying to the Lord. And a weird thing happened to me. And I can't exactly say what happened. But at the end of that period, I felt like I didn't want to go back to work. I felt like I had a different purpose that I needed to do. That thing of work didn't have that same hold on my identity as it had before. And that my identity was actually a lot stronger in the Lord than it was in what I did before. And I began ordination training just a few months later. When we make that choice to draw close to the Lord, amazing things can truly happen. When we make that choice to enter into that wilderness place, amazing things can happen. It can be scary. Things might be revealed to us about ourselves that we don't know. The very thought of being tested by the devil is hard in itself. But we're assured that God's spirit is in on us. God's protection is with us. The angels came and attended to Jesus and the angels will come and attend to us as well. And we can be assured that we're on the winning side. Jesus has won the victory. Jesus is the victor. Jesus beat the devil. He continues to beat the devil. He will always beat the devil. And he will help us to resist the devil as well. Jesus is with us all. And may we continue to proclaim his name. May we draw close to him. May we seek him more. May we cast down our wealth, our trophies are all before him. May we be willing to be humiliated as he was humiliated for us. May we be willing to be strengthened by him as he can come and strengthen us. May he continue to bless us and may his kingdom grow because of his awesome name. Amen.